The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee, but he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, What were you arguing about, Olamoye? But they remained silent. They had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be the first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst, and putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Today in our gospel, Jesus does something that should strike us as rather strange. We know that Jesus is the Son of Man, as he refers to himself in the scriptures. He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He's the one who almost every time we see him up until now was surrounded by huge crowds of people. And there are healings and there are exorcisms taking place. And Jesus is doing these incredible things in teaching Large, large crowds, 5,000 and more on several occasions. And yet today he goes and he proceeds with his 12 disciples through Galilee and doesn't want a soul to know about it. He goes quietly, secretly. The reasoning we find in the rest of the reading from the gospel. Our Lord Jesus, as he begins this journey, he's walking with them, and he speaks to them about the reality of his passion. It's not the first time they've heard it. Just a couple of weeks ago, for us in the Sunday readings, we heard of how St. Peter, upon hearing this reality that Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem and he would offer his life and he would die and be raised, Peter is the one who comes and rebukes him. God forbid, Lord. And in those unfortunate words that Peter receives and in turn, get behind me, Satan. Today we hear the second time that Jesus is talking to his disciples about what is to come in the not-so-distant future. That he will be handed over to men, that they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised. And it seems as if they have no idea what's being said. The gospel itself recounts that they didn't say anything because they didn't even understand him. What's more... Beyond simply not understanding him, they didn't even have the courage to ask him to clarify himself. Whereas on other occasions, they would take him aside and go, Lord, what, what did you mean when you said this, that, or the other thing? What was that parable about? Tell us. Today, they simply shrug their shoulders and keep walking. Unaware of exactly what Jesus meant, they go back to their own discussion. Who's the greatest among us? 
Presumably at this point, Jesus is kind of walking a little bit ahead and they've fallen behind because you don't want to jockey for first place when Jesus is standing next to you. Rather, they kind of fall back and begin to make their claims. Peter is the first of the apostles. He's the, he's the one who clearly has the greatest rank. He's the greatest of them. Why, well, Andrew was called before Peter. Well, this one, you know, did this out of the other thing for Jesus that, that one time. Judas holds the money bag. Clearly, Jesus trusts him the most. Each of them jockeying for their position, trying to say, who among us, who among the twelve is the best? And Jesus knows it. And this is why he goes quietly through Galilee. He knows that his passion is coming. He knows that it lies just a little ways up the road. But he also knows his disciples are in no way, shape, or form ready for that. He knows they need a lot more work and a lot more conforming of their hearts to the gospel, to the good news. He knows that if he just spent the rest of his days focusing only and solely and entirely upon the crowds and doing the good works, doing the miracles, and being able to teach the same thing again to new crowds, to larger crowds, it would be fine and good for the many who hear. But his disciples would not really continue to grow as much as they could if he shrank back from the crowds and focused only on his group of the twelve. Not solely and entirely, not to the exclusion of everyone, as we'll hear. But indeed, he begins to focus much, much more on preparation of the disciples, of his twelve, of his apostles, so that when he dies, they'll be ready. Because when he dies, if they're not ready, the message dies. The large crowds can say lots of nice things, but he's chosen these ones to be the ones who are sent not just to a small group in a particular place, but to go forth to all the nations. This is who the apostles were meant to be, but they're not ready. And so Jesus began to train them at this point. It's kind of like an intensive program that Jesus enters into with his disciples. And lesson number one is given to us today. In the days to come, we'll hear a whole variety of things that the Lord Jesus teaches us. But today we hear the first and most important thing is humility. Humility is that virtue that fights against the pride that reigns within every one of our hearts. Every single one of us. In various ways, by various manifestations of it, try to jockey for first place. Try to show our greatness. Sometimes we do it by self-exaltation. Sometimes it happens by simply putting other people down. A whole variety of things can happen. But ultimately, in so many ways, we still wrestle with that first sin of Adam and Eve. The desire to be like God. The desire to be great. And to be able to work at whatever cost to make it happen. Whenever they get to Capernaum, presumably at Peter's house, which is kind of their uh, home away from home at this point, as they show up several times through the Gospels, Jesus sits down with the twelve and he calls them to himself and he asks the question that none of the disciples wanted to answer. What were you all talking about on the way, guys? And it says they were silent <laughs> because not a single one of them wanted to say, Jesus, I was trying to tell the other guys I'm better than them. That doesn't work, right? 
That's not a good, a good starting point. And yet every one of them was doing just that. I was trying to show that I'm the greatest. He recognizes this. And he begins to teach him this lesson on humility. To be able to recognize that indeed they're called to be great. But their greatness is not achieved in the manner that they think. Jesus himself, as he's working in his miracles... At one point, he looks at his disciples and he says, you yourselves will do greater things than these. The miracles that that Jesus himself worked, the disciples would do greater things. Jesus doesn't rebuke them for desiring to do great things, for desiring to be great men. He rebukes them because they're going about it the wrong way. Jesus commands them to be great men. He commands them to do great things. He expects it of them. As part of their mission as apostles to go forth and to heal, to exercise, to raise up the dead, to do all the things he did and more. And to do it across the world. They had to be great men. But they thought they attained it by being great themselves. By exalting themselves. By showing all of their gifts and their talents. By showing off their pedigree and why they deserve to be number one. When Jesus very simply tells them, if you want to be first, you have to serve, not allow people to serve you. If you want to be the first of all, you must be the servant of all. He himself sets the model when he goes to the Last Supper and bowing before each of his disciples, he washes their feet. He shows them what this service means. He shows them what it means to be great. In the kingdom of God. When we think about humility, sometimes we think of that false humility that the world loves to be able to toss to us, where we simply degrade ourselves. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I don't have any talents. I'm, I, I can't do that. Everyone's better than me. Da 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 da. You know, and we and, and we we see this as humility in the sense of of I'm I'm lowered myself. I'm I'm worse than everybody else. And this is nothing to do with gospel humility. Humility is, as Saint Thomas Aquinas would put it, to recognize the truth. The truth is, every one of us is good. We've been created by God as His children. We've been blessed by God to be adopted to children of God and heirs of heaven. And he's given every one of us gifts to be able to utilize for our good, for the good of the building up of the kingdom of God on earth, and for his own glory. False humility rejects the gifts of God. True humility accepts them. But we don't accept them as, this makes me better. We accept it and then we use it to be able to serve others. Indeed, they might receive of the goodness of God. And this is where he calls his disciples to place themselves and all of their gifts, all of the wonderful, great things they can and will do to ensure that they don't lord it over people as to say, look what I can do and to show off for it. But to say, look what I can do and a desire to do it for you. I can heal. Do you desire healing? I can forgive sins. You desire to be forgiven, to recognize the great things and to use them for the service of others. Jesus then takes a small child, and it seems like he's kind of gone in a a different direction. He takes a small child and wraps his arm around them, embraces them. And he says, unless you receive one like this, 
you know? If you receive one like this, you receive me, and not just me, but also the Father. To receive a child is to receive Christ, is to know Christ. One, how does that even work? What does that mean? And secondly, how does that have anything to do with being a servant? In the Jewish culture, to be a child was to be a servant. A child was someone who had no rights, no property, no land, no authority, no anything. They were basically at the mercy of their parents, as most children still are. And in, that, in the culture of the day, the words child and servant were used interchangeably. To be a child was to be a servant. To be a servant was to be a child. There was no distinction between the two. And so what Jesus is saying in embracing this child, he's saying, if you want to, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to receive the servants and you have to care for them. You have to watch out for them. You have to feed them. You have to wash them. You have to cleanse them. You have to come and bow before them and wash their feet rather than ask them to wash yours. To receive a child is to receive a servant. And to receive a servant is to become a servant of servants. This is what the apostles were called to. Indeed, the Holy Father, among his many names that he has, the Pope, he is referred to as the servant of the servants of God. Indeed, if he is to be the greatest, the highest in the kingdom on earth, he is to be the greatest of servants. The servant of the servants of God. And not only he, but each of us. To recognize the gifts that God has given to every single one of us. And use them also not for our own exaltation, but for our own service of others. To be humble before others. To receive a child. To receive a servant. To receive someone who in the eyes of the world, is below us, and yet to seek to serve them and to recognize in them Christ. This is the great mystery of the kingdom of God, that as we humble ourselves, we become exalted, that as we place ourselves at the feet of others, the Lord places us at the right hand of the Father. To the extent that we allow ourselves to be humbled we know Christ. We receive Christ. We see Christ. And ultimately, we're able to serve Christ. And so as we offer these sacred mysteries today, we give thanks to the Lord Jesus for the gift of his grace that comes to us. We're grateful for the words of the Holy Gospel that continue to speak to us of the message of the good news and call us to holiness ourselves in the same manner of Jesus and his own disciples. We pray that we might have the ears to hear the words that he speaks to us and that our hearts might be able to have the courage to respond. We pray especially for the grace to be humble this week, to placing ourselves at the feet of others, serving those who are indeed the servants in the world. We might be able to know Christ Jesus, who came to serve us.